How's everybody doing? You know, I was going to wear uh, my jean jacket up here, but I know Alex has got a little thing going on. And I don't want to take away from uh, his ministry being the coolest guy here. Um, does anybody else feel like they're just getting pulled in a thousand different directions this morning? Or is it just me? I just want to take a moment and pray before we get into the word, um, if you would join me. Father, I just come before you, and um, God, we just bring this time to your feet, God, and we just we want to hear from you, God. We want to spend time with you. Holy Spirit, would you come and minister to our hearts? God, would you silence the distractions, God, the fears, the worries, the anxieties, God, and the cares that may be in this room, God, because I believe that you have a word, God, for us right now. And it would be so easy to have our heads be somewhere else, God, when we have the King of glory here, ready to speak to us, God. We want to just give you all of this time. We want to give you all of our hearts all of our attention, Lord God, this is all for you. We love you, and we pray all of this in Jesus' Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it's a blessing to uh, be back up here sharing with you guys. And I just want to jump into, right into the word, because I have a lot that I want to uh, unpack this morning. But I want to start, and uh, this passage here should be applicable for any time you're, you're reading the Bible, anytime you're hearing the word being preached. And it's a very important verse, verse in my life. It really helped um, change my life when I was in the program. It's, it's James chapter 1, verse 22. And uh, I'm going to read a lot of verses. And if you can't keep up, you know, definitely come ask me. I'll get you the uh, address if you want to look it up later. But I'm going to read everything for you guys, James 1.22 out of the ESV, it says, but be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Everything that we read, everything that we break down has real life application for us here now today. And I try to look at the Bible every time I open it with that heart. So I would encourage you guys this morning, as we get into the word, um, to have that same heart, that same mind. Um, The title of my message, and I know it's going to sound dramatic, um, is Come and Die. Come and Die. I want to talk to you guys about what it means to be, you know, living according to the flesh and uh, what we can do to bring ourselves from that condition into a place where we are obeying God, into a place where we are walking by the Spirit, into a place where we are renewing our mind. So I'm sure there's a couple of you guys here that are wondering, man, what's this guy talking about, the flesh? Um, You know, the flesh is something that all of us deal with to some degree. As long as there are meat on these bones, we're going to have to deal with the flesh. The flesh defined in a Bible dictionary is basically, in short, I didn't want to get the whole thing because it's like a page long. Um, It's representative of the human dedication to physical desires rather than obedience to God. The flesh is representative 
of the human dedication to physical desires, temporary things here and now, rather than obedience to God. Romans 8.8 says those who are in the flesh cannot please God. 1 Corinthians 3.3 says, For you are still of the flesh, for while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? And this morning, you know, I don't want to spend all of our time together just talking about the flesh and have it feel like some heavy message because I really believe that God wants to just use this time to draw hearts and minds back to him, you know. But I want to tell you guys today that when God shines a lot, his light on an area of our flesh, it's for us to cut it off. Not for us to learn how to accept it. Not for us to make excuses for it? Why is that when God uses situations and uses people to frustrate our flesh that we try to make excuses for ourselves? God is trying to show us that we got junk we got to work on. But no, oh, I'm, just, I'm just not a morning person, you know? Actually, you're just a jerk, you know? Oh, that's just the way I am. I mean, that's just settling for less for your life, and I hope none of you would take that attitude. I've even been in situations where I've had to make excuses for other people that didn't even deserve it, and I had to have other people's back that didn't even deserve it. Oh, he didn't really mean that because they were operating in the flesh. Jeremiah 17.9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And what I'm telling you guys this morning, um, you know, just talking about the flesh and talking about, you know, the life God intends for each of us and uh, walking by the Spirit. I mean, it's totally contrary to everything you have probably been taught up to this moment. The world tears apart families in the family and structure that, structure that God intended. It tells men to go and sleep with as many women as they can, right? To, to kill babies before they're born. The world tears apart our identity as, as people and confuses people. And for men especially, I mean, among all of the other myriad of problems that there are, the world teaches us we can't show any emotions. Just deal with it. Just deal with it. The world tears apart our role in society as men of God, right? And tells us to follow our own desires and make something of ourself. And the world tears apart the concept of community by telling us that we ought to submit to none but ourselves and our desires. The things that we are taught lead us to have these walls and to be guarded and to have this flesh, this stronghold of flesh on our heart, on our desires. But there has to be a tearing down so that God can heal us. And sometimes that process 
hurts. And without God giving you the eyes to see and the ears to hear, men don't voluntarily say, okay, Lord, have your way. Many refuse to really live in obedience to God. That's why the Bible says that the path is narrow and few find it. How many of you would pray for God to tear your flesh down? And you know, something, I'm sure there's some of you here questioning whether or not this program really works. I can tell you that the program works as long as you work the program into your life. I've said it before and I'll say it again. You aren't here to get your life back. You're here to give your life away. You can be here for years without really learning to stop living according to the flesh. And I know because I've been there. This word came to me first. And don't think I'm only going to come for the staff because there's a lot of you guys out there too that know better. And if you know better, you need to act better. Some of you have been around and still want to act all crazy. But we get to a place, right, where our flesh rises up and, you know, we elevate ourselves above the simple things like making time for God, making time to read the Bible in the morning, making time to pray. This usually happens as this, like, dead giveaway point right when a guy finishes the program or goes into the third phase and gets a phone in their hand. I wonder why. Different distractions. No one telling them how to lead their life. You know what's really good at getting the flesh fired up that I've come to see over recent days? Storefronts. I have dealt with some nasty attitudes because of storefronts, man. That... uh. There's just something about it, right, that God just uses in a tremendous way to show us some ugly in ourselves, myself included, right? I want to read a verse for you guys, Galatians 6, 8. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap from the flesh corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will reap from the Spirit eternal life. Flesh leads us to frustration in all of our efforts, when we live according to the flesh, we're just walking in circles, fulfilling endless means. We work so hard to get money, to get things that, that we think are going to make us happy. But there are people that have everything this world has to offer and are still miserable because they don't have God. And here we are, and we have everything in Christ. How could we still choose to gratify our flesh? Some of us do something even worse, and we just look at Jesus like an add-on to our life. I'll just squeeze him in where I can. I'm a Christian until it gets uncomfortable. I'm here to tell you today that God is jealous for the throne of your heart. Like Pastor Winston was saying, he's the king of glory, and he wants all of it or none of it. He wants all of your heart or none of it. And 
He's not going to share the throne of your heart with anyone or anything. I want to tell you guys and go off on a little rabbit trail here. But it's going to come together. It's going to make sense. You know, a lot of you guys, I'm sure, weren't there for the time that uh, we had property over on 444 Clinton Avenue. But um, when we sold that property and they started construction, they made plans for what they wanted to see there, right? And what did they do next? They destroyed everything. I remember for months, there was nothing but a hole in the ground. And some of you are at that place where God has either taken everything, right? Because if we continue in stubbornness, God will leave us to our own vices for so long. But there comes a point where he says, nah, I got to reel this guy in. And there's often a cost associated with that. Or you've allowed God's process to begin to work in you, where spiritually speaking, you're like that hole in the ground where God has done the work and he's gotten all the junk out. And you're just waiting for God to move and to build you up. But that empty piece of land is starting to feel like a pit of despair. But if you have the right perspective, you would see that God has simply just created the perfect environment to start building. The perfect environment to bring everything that he has for you to pass. Now that all that junk is out of the way, we can get started. Think about it. A construction crew doesn't have a job until the demolition crew leaves. That's, a, uh, that's their first opportunity. Construction workers are probably walking by 444 saying, man, can they hurry up and knock this thing down? I'm trying to get that check. Right? But you have to have the right perspective. Even worse, perhaps, than you know, letting your pit moment or your empty plot moment get to you is sitting there with your dilapidated house wanting Jesus to come in and fix it, refusing to let it go. We want God to come and fix our house when we got asbestos here and mold there and the ceiling is caving in here. Let me put it in spiritual terms. We got anger here. We have selfishness here, insecurity there. And sometimes God is looking at your situation saying, man, all this has got to go. But if you would trust God with your life, he will build something marvelous out of it. I can promise you that. Because the same way now when I go by 444, there's buildings shooting up and there's all kinds of stuff going on because they were able to bring the plans that they had to pass on that property. I want to read a passage for you guys. It's coming out of Ephesians Chapter 2, verses 1 through 6 in the contemporary English version. It says, In the past you were dead because you sinned and fought against God. You followed the ways of this world and obeyed the devil. He rules the world. And his spirit has power over everyone who doesn't obey God. Once we were also ruled by the selfish desires of our bodies and minds. We made God angry. 
and we were going to be punished like everyone else. But God was merciful. We were dead because of our sins. But God loved us so much that he made us alive with Christ. And God's wonderful kindness is what saves you. God raised us from death to life. And he has given us a place beside Christ in heaven. That first part of that passage, you sinned and fought against God. And when Pastor Winston touched on that this morning, I took that as a confirmation. We got to stop fighting with God. That's a losing battle right there. His kindness leads us to repentance. Dietrich Bonhoeffer had a quote, and it's where I got the title of this message. But he says this about the Christian experience. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. God calls us from death in the flesh to life in Christ, right? God gives us life only in order for us to give it back away so that Jesus could live through us, right? And if our life doesn't look like that to some degree, I would have to ask, are we really doing this thing? So what does it mean to obey God and put our flesh to death? Living by the Spirit. Life in Christ is living by the Spirit. Walking by the Spirit is total denial of our pleasures, our motives, and our desires for the sake of seeing God's will, God's plan, God's kingdom come to pass. For new life to happen, I just want to explain this to you. For new life to happen, a seed has to go into the ground and die. It totally leaves behind what it was and is no longer a seed anymore. In order that just just for the hope of becoming something new, the hope of bearing fruit. Now, where in that passage does it sound like we can just continue to do everything we used to do and just add Jesus on? I mean, if you see something, stop me. But becoming like a seed and dying to become something totally new is how we bear fruit. Galatians 5, 16 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. There's an old ancient uh, Native American story or proverb that talks about two wolves. In the context of the story, um, he uses the words good and evil. You know, of course, um, we're not dealing with uh, Christians or people that have a Bible here. We're dealing with Native Americans. But for our context today, I want to just substitute the words good and evil for flesh and the spirit. But basically, this grandfather is telling his grandson, he said, there's two wolves that are at war inside of me. And every day they get up to fight one another. One is the flesh and one is 
the spirit. And he goes on telling the story, getting into every detail. And his grandson looks at him and says, but grandpa, what, which wolf wins? To which the grandfather replied, the one that I feed. Romans 8.6 says, for to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. You notice when you're in your word and your relationship with God is right, that everything has a way of working itself out? Because I know I see it in my life. It could be one day that I miss devotion and I'm like thrown all the way off. This is real talk. How can we expect to fight a war that's spiritual on the strength of our flesh? We can't go through this life. We're not built for it. Romans 8.13 says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And I want to tell you guys today that living by the Spirit is life more abundantly. When we put the flesh to death, we let Jesus live through us, through our words, through our actions, and we get to see the hand of God move, and we get to see the plan of God unfold in our life and the blessing of God unfold in our life. And I'm telling you, and you can ask any of these guys that have been at this for a while, that there's nothing in the world that I would trade for it. It's greater than any plan you can come up with for yourself. When you're living by the Spirit, you can walk in Christ's victory over sin and over temptation by putting the flesh to death. Galatians 2.20 says, so I got this tattoo on my arm, actually. This verse here says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So this morning, as we get ready to come towards the end of our time, I just think some of us just need a fresh start with the Lord this morning, me, starting with me, you know, I, I think that God is calling us to just renew our minds and to really set our face towards seeking him and living by the spirit. I mean, with everything going on, we got to be spirit led. And it only gets worse, it seems. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The Bible says this regarding the renewing of your mind. We can see in Luke chapter 2 that Mary stored things in her heart, right, to remember, to increase her faith. When she didn't see God at work, she had things that she stored in her heart 
to remember that. Well, I remember God, that God moved at this time. Colossians 3.1 says to set your mind on things above, right? Philippians 4, it gives us a whole list of things to meditate on. 2 Corinthians 10 and 15 tells us to bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. But perhaps more, most important when it comes to the realm of renewing your mind is prayer. And you can look at 1 Peter 5, 7. But there's a, uh, a hymn that goes by the name of What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And there's a verse there that I just want to share with you guys. It says, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Guys, I want you to know this morning that God wants you exactly the way that you are. And the other day, I shared a small portion of this with the guys that went out on stores. But I really feel like this is something that everybody needs to hear. John 15.5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, in the flesh, you can do nothing. God just wants you to want him and make the conscious effort to put yourself in his presence. Once, I mean, it doesn't matter what you might have walked in the room carrying. It doesn't matter how you might have walked in the room feeling or what situations you have going on. If you can just get in his presence, he will sort all the details out. God will lead us to where we need to be, give us the words we need to say, heal the hurts that we have, tear down the walls that we build, dust us off, lift our heads like a good father does. God just wants us to do that one thing, take that one step of faith into his presence. Because God is the only one that can make a difference in our lives. And looking to the things of the flesh, looking to anything else, is just walking in circles. Ravi Zacharias said, the biggest battle you will face in life is your daily appointment with God. Keep it, or every other battle will become bigger. When we don't make our time with God, every other battle becomes bigger. When we don't put ourselves in God's presence regularly, we leave ourselves open to have our heads filled with everything else. And when our heads are filled with junk and when we don't renew our minds and we aren't walking by the Spirit, the devil has his work cut out for him. He can discourage you whenever he wants. And he can keep you from stepping into your God-given potential. I'm thinking of the story of the prodigal son. You know, the son had to overcome the idea of what he was going to look like and just get to his father. 
He didn't care if he worked with the slaves. He had to get over it. He didn't know what to expect. But what he got was God loving him just as he was. And something I was thinking about as I was sitting there, you know, we see this love of a father. How much he loved his son who was out doing the wrong thing, right? Just imagine how hard it was for him to send Jesus, his perfect son, to die for us. How much it broke his heart. But he did it with the hope of just getting a hold of your heart. He did it without question. But the prodigal son, he didn't have to clean himself up before he came to God. And some of us don't want to go to God because we've, and we feel like we can't be real because we feel like we don't deserve to be embraced. Or we feel like we got to be a tough guy and we can't show emotions. Right? But God sees you. He sees your successes. He sees your failures, your strengths, your weaknesses, your victories, and your losses. And he loves you. And he wants you. We all have a lot of junk going on. And a lot of flesh to deal with. But that can't stop us from seeking God and wanting better for ourselves each and every day. God does everything in his power, even sending Jesus to die, just to call yourself to him in love so that we could go to God like a son. Come to God with your pains and your plans. Come and surrender to his leading. I don't want to give you guys fancy words this morning. I just want to point you to Jesus the same way I told these guys that went on stores the other day. God is the only one that can make a difference in your life. And he has everything you need to see you through today and every day. This season that you're in now and every season moving forward, he is absolutely in control, and nothing has come to a surprise to him. So in closing, I just want to share a couple more thoughts with you guys, and I want to close, and instead of having an altar call, you know, I asked Matt to pull something up, and I just want to have a time where we can encounter God for ourselves. I want to play a song, maybe if we could bring the lights down and just have a moment with God to determine in our hearts that we're just going to give him everything. But let me read this verse for you as we get ready to do that. Galatians 5, 13 says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. You don't have to have every gift in the world and be a superstar, but you ought to be able to serve one another in love. You should strive 
to live right before God. Walking not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. To his spirit. And at the very least, you should be able to lead people in the way that you do things as long as you're doing them yourself. What I'm saying is, is that if you pray, then you can lead someone and teach someone how to pray. If you have discernment to see the spiritual application in the different situations you go through in life, then you have discernment to show someone else and encourage someone else. But you cannot be spirit-led if your spirit is not fed. You know, this program used to be called a life training center. It said it on the, on the brochures and everything, and I know it doesn't say that anymore, but it's still so true. We're training you guys how to live. Like, this stuff that you're doing now doesn't stop after you finish the program. You're learning how to shape your life around what God has for you, not how you can fit God into your dream life. And I just want to share this before we have this moment. And then uh, after the song, Pastor Paul, if you want to come and close the service, um, you know, life is a process. We're all in a process. Repentance is a process. Believing is a process. And there's highs and there's lows. But don't quit because you're already here. Like, there's so many people who won't have an opportunity like this, like we have right now, who won't surrender to God, who won't put the flesh to death. But everybody here in this room does. So, with that, if Matt, if you could, Pastor Gary, bring down the light.